So, this podcast, is it any good? Eh, they follow some shite clubs, but it's a pretty good podcast. Lavelle, Rose up the middle, looking, cutting, shooting, go! The Unnamed Soccer Podcast. Absolutely brilliant from Liverpool, and for Barcelona, chaotic, catastrophic. A sensational start, a controversial start. And it's advantage to the Reds. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast. D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. We're also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. The show open is back, Darren. I don't know if you're aware of this. I, I put this in after we record, so it's nothing that we hear live. But our show open has returned. I'm very excited for it. I think it's very good news for the podcast. Hey, Jude from the Beatles returns to the Unnamed Soccer Pod. I like that. A little bit of production. I was a guest on the podcast this week, and I must admit, I was like, wow, that sounds great. I was on the uh, Two Balls and a Mic podcast, and my gosh, I I was so surprised. It's like, gosh, I got to figure out a way to pick our game up around here, so... I'm happy to hear that, Jordan. I wonder why you did that this week. I wonder why you started doing that here recently. I, I wonder what could it be. I thought I, I was going to come with some production myself, maybe play a little bit of Queen on the show today and was feeling some reason that I might want to play We Are the Champions from Queen. I don't know. Just seemed like the right thing to do. But Hey Jude, Hey Jude is, is a great opening song. Uh, yes, as always. And you're right, Darren. I, we've done it for a few episodes. So it happened before Chelsea actually won Champions League. And I was like in everyone else's camp, not really expecting Chelsea to win it all. So very excited that I will be able to add that highlight into our open. I don't know if it will make it this week, but it will make it in that open very, very soon. A very, very fun weekend to talk about with Champions League, also with San Diego Loyal. Uh, we had fans back inside the house at Torero Stadium. So we'll chat about that. Uh, it was a busy, busy, not sober Saturday for yours truly. Darren looked like he had a lot of fun as well. We drank lots of champagne together. That was fun. Um, we have CONCACAF Champions League to discuss. And we have a match coming up this weekend for SD Loyal. There's plenty to talk about. Um, it's a good time in the world of soccer, is it not? I, I don't suppose you heard Landon Donovan on the radio. Landon Donovan said something, Jordan, that I thought was so interesting. And obviously you as a Chelsea supporter, primarily a Chelsea supporter that predates Christian Pulisic arriving. I think a lot of people were pulling for Christian Pulisic and then thus far pulling for Chelsea in the Champions League final. I don't know that you heard something that Landon said, but I I asked him what it was like after we got through all the relevant SD loyal stuff about watching the club pull off its first victory of the 2021 season, Corey Herzog, et cetera, on and on and on. And he said, you know, there are two things. Landon Donovan said this. There are two things that I never thought I would see in my life. An American playing in the champions league final and the U S winning the world's cup on the men's side. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, like what an interesting thing for Landon to say, you know, deep down, like how could you, you know, have been so ingrained in U.S. soccer on the men's national team side, have played in Europe, had so many teammates who played in Europe and never really thought that we would get to the point where a U.S. player would play in the Champions League final. We know there's been one that's won it previously. I just thought that was such an interesting line from LD, like two things. I never thought I'd see an American play in that final. I never thought I'd see us win a World Cup. 
because now we've done one, so we might as well move forward here and do the second. I thought that was like from Landon of all people too. Like not somebody in our position, not somebody podcasting, not one of these dorks who sits on a television set. Like it's Landon Donovan saying that sort of stuff, man. I thought that was really profound and interesting. Yeah, that's uh, especially interesting coming from LD. Uh, not only did a, an American play in the Champions League final, an American nearly scored what would have completely sealed it and saved a few years off of my life towards the end. Um, the final 20-plus minutes were pretty nerve-wracking, but Christian Pulisic nearly scored in a Champions League final to make it 2 nothing. He didn't. It was close. Unfortunately, that didn't come back to bite Chelsea in the butt, but what a moment that would have been. I, like, I had all of those narratives flying through my mind when Pulisic's in and probably should have scored. I know that's easy to say, but should have put the match away. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, you have just left the door open for Manchester City. And as good as Chelsea has been at keeping goals out, that was still Manchester City. And you just started thinking, oh my gosh, all of these dumb shows are now going to go, oh, was it the Americans' fault? Should he have put it away? Like, you just like, even like not just what you would hear coming out of England or London or Europe, like what you would have heard on even our dumb sports shows here in this country, as dumb as it relates to soccer. Like you just started hearing all of those voices of Stephen A. Smith and Colin Coward in your head. You're like, oh, this is how U.S. soccer is going to get back on the map, right? Like this is going to be used as like the latest evidence that U.S. isn't any good at this and we should just focus on other shit. So like I was, I, you know, then to see Chelsea seal the deal, like there was a brief moment for me where I was like, Whew. thankfully that didn't turn into a thing, but uh tremendous match. Thomas Tuchel. I watched it at Bluefoot. Uh, I did not watch it at Bluefoot. I watched it at a place called True North in North Park. I couldn't get into Bluefoot. Bluefoot was over capacity. Like Bluefoot was, was jamming. My neighborhood was absolutely freaking buzzing on Saturday. Couldn't get in. We just had the owner on the show. We couldn't. I know. No VIP card? He actually texted me and asked me if I wanted to go watch it in the DJ booth with him. So (laughs) shout out to Adam. But I was like, nah, I I had a long day ahead of us. You know, we were getting set for uh, for match day live over at Torero Stadium. So I I needed to put a little bit of pace into my game. I needed to get some food in there. So I went to a a different spot. But I, I know that place was absolutely buzzing as well. But, uh, wow, just uh, tremendous stuff. What a run for Chelsea, you know. And, and, and we were having the conversation at the table where I was sitting with our old uh, colleague, Alex Padilla, and some of his buddies and, and some of my friends. We all got together. And we were just saying, man, it's it just like these random Chelsea clubs and these random Chelsea teams every once in a while, they just go on these runs and they go ahead and they win a Champions League final. And for all the drama that you had this year, sacking a manager, bringing in Thomas Tuchel, what a way to finish it. Even all the, as agonizing as that was, like as stressful as, as that was. And I recorded with Jordan. I hope you guys went back and listened to Demba Ba from 1904 because we ended up recording a podcast on Saturday morning based on Demba's availability. Boy, I will tell you, you were a nervous motherfucker on Saturday morning. I've never seen you quite like that before. Um, yeah, that is as nervous as I get. Champions. You were more now. nervous than you were on your fucking wedding day, dude. Like, I'm not even nah. You didn't see me behind the scenes on my wedding day. You talk to the group, talk to the, my best man, talk to the groomsmen. They'll say I was pretty damn nervous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched three Champions League finals with Chelsea in my entire life. The first one was 2008 when they played Manchester United. John Terry slipped on his penalty kick. 
the decider at the end was Nicholas Anelka's moonshot. Um, I watched that at Churchill's and that was not fun to be in pot. Like, cause that's plenty of United fans were at Churchill's for that one. I remember it plenty of Chelsea fans as well, but that just wasn't a fun experience. And so the next time uh, when they take on Bayern Munich, I watched from home. Uh, I was living in an apartment up in Vista in North County. And I watched from the living room, basically on the ground. I was by myself. My roommate was working and I was just trying not to cry. And it was, it was a mess. It was a total mess. Um, and then Saturday was exactly the same way. I went back with that approach because um, it, it worked out in Munich. Going out in public did not work out when they played United. So I'm just going to go ahead and watch from home. And I was a mess. I probably did. I kid you not, Darren, 3,000 laps around my couch during that match. Right. At least 3,000. Um, there were long stretches where I would hide behind my couch. There were moments where I would just lay face down on the couch and not even look and try to close my ears. I was so scared. Um, there were moments where Thomas Tuchel is standing up and waving for everyone to get excited. And so that's what I did. I followed his lead. I stood up and I started to get excited as well. Um, Luca learned a couple new words. Um, the vocabulary is expanding rather quickly with all these Chelsea matches. It was a wild to have the final 20 minutes be so nerve wracking where you're taking on Manchester city, obviously like the best team. They're the, I mean, they're the best team over the course of the last year, Chelsea, for whatever reason, I think I have my thoughts of why they have man city's number right now. That's three consecutive wins against city. That's not something many clubs can pull off, but city's like the best club. And to do that for the final 20 minutes, it gets a team that should be scoring at will. I know they lost uh, De Bruyne and that's a big deal. I, I know that Chelsea also lost their center back in the first half, a couple minutes in um, against that team. And so just to have to be, to go through that, it was, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. I had a, my Chelsea flag like wrapped around me. And that's what I would carry around the couch. That's what I was doing laps in. So I was holding up the flag behind me. And then I would run around during the near moments, during the goals. Anytime Timo touched the ball, I would yell, you're wasting your fucking time, Chelsea. <laughs> and then I would celebrate when Kai Havertz would score. And then I collapsed when Christian Pulisic nearly scored. And then I was just hiding behind my couch the rest of the, the next 20 minutes. And then I celebrated with champagne. That's yeah. my experience. Is that That's normal? Not, is that like that, a normal experience for everyone? Suffering that everybody talks about in soccer, right? Like, like that's such a uniquely soccer terms. Like, like there's so much suffering in this sport, right? Like you never hear baseball fans like, Oh, I'm suffering. And you never hear like football or NBA guys like I'm suffering. But like in soccer, that terms, like you have to suffer in order to have any sort of joy. And like, that's what the suffering is. Like you just, you just perfectly laid that out there for everybody because whether it's a Champions League final or a USL match or a Liga Emeckis match, like everybody who loves this sport knows exactly what it is that you're saying. You know, like not everybody runs away with everything and wins five mil all the time. You know, like, like that's just not the way this works. And like there is that level of suffering in this sport that is unique to soccer because it's low scoring, because goals are impactful, because competitive matches are usually close especially when you get into a cup final, it feels like managers are inclined not to make mistakes sometimes more than they are just to, to, to you know, to go for things. So like you just perfectly summed up that word that is so uniquely soccer. And that is like the suffering of it all. Like you had to suffer there to feel the kind of joy that you're uh, expressing to the, uh, to the audience here. 
Um, Kai Havertz, I thought, had a brilliant quote following the match. And it's a quote I will be using. I actually considered changing, updating my bio on Twitter just to this quote. He was asked about his price tag uh, because that's the big conversation with Kai Havertz. He was the most expensive player to come in with Chelsea um, recently. <laughs> and he was asked, like, oh, does, does this justify your price tag? And he's just so sick of answering that question. Right. And on the field afterwards, he says, I don't I don't care. We just fucking won the Champions League. I'm like, yes. All these stupid storylines. It's the reason why my cell phone was off during the match, because I didn't want to see any kind of tweets from would Stephen A. Smith actually tweet during a Champions League final about that. I don't know. But whoever it would be, Alexi Lawless or whoever I don't want to actually see talk about the game. Um, that's why I turned off my phone. I was just so concerned about all of that. And luckily, as a Chelsea supporter, I avoid it. Unfortunately yeah. for City fans, they uh, they don't avoid a lot of it. A lot of the conversation about Pep, whatever. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't lucky. It wasn't like this. It's funny that Alex Padilla calls it like a random run for Chelsea. I mean, I wouldn't call it random. They've won several Premier League titles. They've won a few Champions Leagues. They've won Europa. They keep right. winning <laughs> FA Cups. Like no, like it's winning not so random anymore with Chelsea. Right. But winning Champions League, like it's not like it's been the best domestic version of Chelsea, right? Like, like that's sort of I think was what we were saying. Like, like yeah. you know, there've been other Chelsea seasons where you'd go, you know, you can definitely see this team making a run at the Champions League. Whereas, well, like this one, you know, fighting it out whether you're going to be fourth, fifth here into the final, you know, week of of the Premier League season, sort of, you know, maybe didn't give anybody who doesn't follow it as closely as you the indication that, you know, like, like, you know, this was, was vintage Chelsea football club. I, you know, it wasn't intended as any sort of slide. It's like, yeah, like, like, you know, at, at times, you know, there have been better versions, domestic versions of Chelsea football club that didn't end up in a champions league final. And, and, you know, this one, and it wasn't Alex, just to be fair, it was one of Alex's buddies, but you know, it just, that was sort of like, yeah, man, like here they go again. Like this is just, you know, this has sort of been their MO here the last couple of runs through. Well, I do think it's an interesting point because I don't think anyone considers Chelsea the best team in the world. And usually right. when you have the champ, like that's what Champions League's all about. Like you're finding the best club in the world, basically. Like it's it's not real. Like a lot of people will say it's Real Madrid, it's Barcelona, Bayern Munich. It's one of those clubs. It's Liverpool recently. Um, so I don't, I, I get it. Cause I don't, like I just said, I still think City, City is clearly the better team. Um, Chelsea, for whatever reason, have a good matchup against them. But it is also something with Chelsea. Like, they knocked off some serious giants. They knocked off Atleti yeah. on the way. I know Porto isn't quite to the level as Real Madrid. Um, I love that they saved Manchester City for last. I thought that was very beautiful. Um, I, I know it took a little bit out of it, having it be an all-English final, but I was clearly invested. And that rolled over straight to Match Day Live with bottles of champagne. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm just telling you as somebody who's a bit impartial, you know, I mean, I'm partial because I, you know, I'm happy for you. Uh, I'm partial because I'm happy for Christian Pulisic because we got to see something here that, that I think, you know, validates everything that we've been saying about U.S. soccer and about the improvement made by U.S. soccer players, which now hopefully has to roll into the Nations League tournament, which we'll get to. So, you know, but like we were watching it as impartial observers, like who are you rooting for? Who are you rooting for? Okay, but like, I don't, you know, no, nobody was like, you know, super all invested into the final. It was a good game. Like it was a good comp. Like it was a good match. Like it was good quality football. Like there were chances both ways. There was a, a mate Rudiger, right? Antonio Rudiger. I mean, what, what a tremendous influence he had on the match. I mean, he clearly saves a goal 
And then he takes out Kevin De Bruyne. You know, like, so like there was a lot of really, really good storylines. You know, I know that the criticism of Pep is, is going to follow and I don't follow it close enough to know their roster to know what he should or shouldn't have done. You know, I know that not having a holding midfielder was a little bit unusual for them. And when you think about the goal, like where did it go? It went right where a midfielder would have been. So I think that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, that's the joy of the tournament too, isn't it? Like, you know, that the best team doesn't always have to win, you know, like, and that run is legit. Like, you know, I don't take it personally, that whole random thing. It's like you beat the champions of Spain on your way, even in a down year. I think that's saying something. You beat the club that has the most Champions League titles in Real Madrid. They are all about this tournament. You beat the champions of England. Like, no apologies on that, dude. That's as legitimate as a Champions League cha- as you'll, a final as you'll ever, ever see what Chelsea just did out there. And, and I'll tell you, too, like, for those that are like, okay, dude, like, I, you know, all England final or I'm not all that much in it. Ch- Seeing that image of Pulisic afterwards wearing the U.S. men's national team sweatshirt, which we've later found out now belonged to his dad, that his dad gave him to wear to take pictures of the cup. Like that just, you know, that was that was really symbolic like that. That meant something to me, you know, as, as a U.S. men's national team supporter, as somebody who would like to see better for this, for this group and, and for U.S. soccer. Like to see him on the field post-match holding the Champions League Cup, the big-eared cup with his U.S. men's national team sweatshirt on, that was uh, that was important. Like that's that's a last. Like that's going to go down as one of the most important images I, I would tell you in U.S. soccer history. Yeah, and that's going to be one of the images most people remember from the Champions League final. It's not going to be the the breakaway from Kai Havertz. Most people here in the states who watched here. that match, and I know I'm sure the ratings are out. I, I haven't seen them. I wish I looked them up before the podcast, um, but I'm hoping it did well. But for the majority of people who watched here in the States, that's what they're going to remember, right? Christian Pulisic uh, wearing the USA jacket, following, walking around on the field, celebrating with the trophy yeah. in hand. Yeah. And I mean, again, like just, it's not just my soccer neighborhood. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, Mike Usher, who I work with at iHeart, mm-hmm. who's also Chelsea supporter and I you know he shows up Monday and he's or Tuesday after the holiday and wearing his Chelsea shirt you know and strutting his stuff and I'm like yeah he fist bump high five he's like oh how's Jordan doing you know and I was like so where'd you watch it he said he went to a Buffalo Wild Wing somewhere up in North County he's like dude there was like 100 Chelsea fans in there so like you guys were like spread out all throughout the county I mean it wasn't just Shakespeare's pub I mean it was not just my neighborhood there were a lot of Chelsea supporters out there on the street even though there's a man city bar not too far away like People were, you know, you can sort of sense too, especially as we're reopening out of a pandemic, people were really into that. So like, it was great. And whether they're, you know, it's a whole new era of Chelsea supporters because of Pulisic or they're only interested because it is Pulisic or whatever the case is, like you could feel it out there. Like you could definitely, you could definitely feel it. Mike Usher and every other Chelsea supporter, uh, much braver than I for being able to go out and not just hide behind (laughs) their couch for 90 minutes like I did during that match. (laughs) Um, I mean, I really like, as you know, I wasn't all that confident going in. I had reasons to be confident, but I wasn't allowing myself to get there. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad Chelsea fans went out. Um, I didn't know if there was an organized, I know Shakespeare's had something organized. I didn't hear anything about something up in North County, but sounds like plenty of people showed up. I know San Diego loyal had people over at Shakespeare's. They were well represented. Loyal were at Shakespeare's. They even gave away a Chelsea Jersey at Shakespeare's I heard, uh, which is very, very cool. Um, So 
Yeah, it was it was a very, very fun day. Very fun <laughs> Saturday. Um, thank you for drinking champagne with me on Match Day Live pre-show uh, before our home opener. Take it on Las Vegas at Torero Stadium. That was a lot of fun. I didn't kill Darren. I didn't pop no. the uh, champagne cork right into his face. We were all concerned, I know, um, but it didn't happen. So I think that well, was probably the best news of the night. For anybody that's seen that video, let me tell you, that comes from experience. Like I have been hit in the face several times with champagne corks. So Have you? Oh, yeah. So especially uh, champagne that's not quite at, at its uh, perfect temperature, which we got the, the bubbles to at some point. But yeah, I've been... I've been smoked by like three or four different champagne corks in my life. I Are used you to work. Serious? In, yeah. So I used to work in catering when I was in college and we used to do weddings and we used to buy this really, really shitty champagne and it was never put on ice in time. And then we would put it in some milk crate with a bunch of ice and we'd take the foil off and then like you'd stand over it and I got smoked in the chin twice and hit in the hand a couple of times. So I wasn't, uh, that was not any sort of reflection on Jordan's ability to open a bottle of champagne. That was more like from experience, like, okay, I, I've, I've been, I've been crushed here before, but you were a pro about it. Uh, I love our, I love our, our, our support staff on match day live. I love our, our colleagues at SD loyal. Uh, I love everything about this club because they were totally supportive. We are the only uh, pre and post match show ever anywhere on the planet that is encouraged to do such things. <laughs> so and that is it's embraced where we're we're sort of graded on our ability to drink before and after the match. You know, it's never, you know, it's never frowned upon. It's more like, why aren't you guys drinking more here? I mean, this is fun, right? And then we just rolled it right into a night. Saturday, I mean, Saturday must have been one of the great days in your life of like, you know, since your son was born. <laughs> uh yeah, Saturday was really good. Saturday was a lot of fun. Um Popping champagne on the pre-match show. We get a late dramatic winner that is desperate for points as a loyal supporter, you know? Um, the the start has been so rough. So, like, I feel like we have earned as supporters that moment because we just haven't had any moment even close to that so far to kick off the year. So, to actually get that moment with our family inside the house, that's a big deal. Um, it was dramatic, and it comes from a player that, has been waiting to score. I think it's really important that it was Herzog that was the one to put it away. Um, we'll see what happens this weekend. We'll see what kind of what kind of momentum they can carry over. But that seemed to be an important moment. Like it was, we'll see how important it is down the stretch, I guess. But it felt like a really needed moment, right? Like we were, I felt like we were kind of just waiting for something to really, really celebrate. And we got to unleash all of it right there. I know I started running around and I don't know if that got caught on camera but i was definitely running around that net uh you were running around we had the perfect viewpoint and, and i had so missed this so uh a little behind the curtain from 2020 is you know match day live was totally different you know we did the first game the inaugural match on march 7th there's six thousand plus people in there we were all sort of looking around what is this this is unique this is different then the doors close and we resume play a couple of months later behind closed doors. And, and, you know, it's just us. And, you know, just cause you know, only a certain amount of people could be allowed inside of Torero stadium. They asked if I could do some double duty and do some, some uh, public address, which I'm, I'm so thankful that Nate Abare is back there because he's a million times better at it than, than I could ever hope to be in life. But at any rate, you know, we're back and I'm able to watch it now pitch side where you spent most of your time last year. Sometimes you come up to the booth and, you know, we'd hang out and we'd be like, why can't this team score? But to be down there and to be pitch side 
to be around fans. Like, how about the fans that we met? Like, we met people back in that area directly across the pitch from where the supporters groups were. We're on the opposite side, so behind the opposite goal. And we're watching the players warming up. And as they're warming up, Corey Herzog comes over and starts talking to us. And Sal Zizo comes over and, you know, says a thing or two, like, hey, what's up, fellas? And so we were right there. Like, that's the goal side where we were. And not only, Jordan, did you start running around and yelling, you started slamming the, the, what do you call those things? Like the side paneling or whatever? Boards. The boards. Like, you just started slamming the boards. And it's like, it's so loud. Like, I mean, it. You know, it, it made like home and away seem like church. Like you were slamming the boards when Herzog scored. You're like, bah, 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 bah. so I'm starting to do it too. And like, you're right. I saw a couple of clips. You know, our guy Jack Cronin said, like, I saw you dorks down there celebrating, you know, like jumping up and down and waving our, our scarves around and all that sort of shit. Like, it was a big moment. You know, like it was a big moment. Like, you know, so much of that had just been you know, sort of forgotten. And, you know, I don't know that you feel this way. I don't want to speak for you, but like, I've forgotten a little bit about that, like about the energy in a building, even with 2,100 fans, which sounded like about five times that if I might, and, you know, to, to, to have that sort of response and to have that kind of energy back in the building, you know, it it just, it made it for a better uh, match day live show pre and post. I thought it made it for a better all around evening. I think it made for a better performance for the players you know, you can't exactly prove this sort of stuff. Landon Donovan also said that on the radio. He thinks without the fans, he thinks, you know, it's probably a one, one draw at best. So, you know, Hey, like keep coming back. You matter, your energy matter, you know, seeing Chavo's out there early drumming, seeing the, both the locals and Chavo's stop by the set up there on that bluff and, and, you know, interrupting our, and in a good way, like interrupting our post-match show when we're talking to Jack Cronin, like, yeah, we encourage that. I had just like forgotten like so much of that, you know, and, and like it made such a difference to, you know, as Landon said, for the players, but also like thank you to everybody in that building because it mattered to us. Like our show, I thought was the most fun that we have had doing that show. You know, obviously match day live. That first one was incredible. It was unique. It's the first ever time that we got to watch our USL club take its very first baby steps. Charlie Adams, right. An unforgettable night, but Frankly, like none of us knew what to expect. You know, we're walking around Torero Stadium before the gates have been open. Like, do we have any idea what this is going to look like tonight? Like, how do you maintain a fan base when you play one time? You're an expansion club, a second division expansion club. You play one time and then you go into a fucking pandemic. Like, and then you're opening your gates for the first time in 448 days. What is that even going to look like? You know what I mean? Like, that's not Chelsea opening its doors. That's not even LAFC opening its doors. You know, like, so like we didn't, we frankly, like we weren't really sure what to expect. And the people who came in from the supporter section and I've watched some, and seen some of these images, the Liverpool group showed up and they brought in a banner and they got Jack Metcalf to go and take a picture with them. That was tremendous as well. It wasn't just the supporters. It was, you know, both sides. It was our area, Jordan. I mean, it just was, I, I mean, I've said this, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know how I'm, I'm not searching for something to say that's so profound. I mean, for me, it was my favorite night as long as we've been involved with this club and we've had some from, we're definitely doing this in 2020 to here's the name of the club to here's the kit reveal, which would be right up there for me. Cause I, you know, I was very fortunate to play a role to the opening match to us being there and being, you know, our, our, a vehicle to connect the, the people to the club since we were allowed in and others were not. 
Uh, but that was it. Like that was, you know, that, that to me, it just, it felt normal. It was fun. People loved it. The energy that was in the building from the supporters, from the, from the people who were sitting where we were, oh man, like, like I just, I, I mean, I can't say enough about it. I've just, I've been thinking about it nonstop since Saturday night. Yeah. It's a big compliment to the club. It's also a big compliment uh, to the supporters sections, to both uh, the locals and Chavos. It, this sounds probably silly, um, but I was reminded how fun it is to celebrate goals with other people yeah. on Saturday night. You know, like it's, of course you celebrate goals. That's what it's all about, right? Score goals, win beers. That's we're all about just celebrating goals. Last year they score. And what do you do inside of an empty stadium? Or what are you doing when you're watching at home by yourself? You say, yes. And that's it. Like that's, that's, that's your celebration. I watched the champions league final Kai Havertz scores. Uh, I'm hiding behind my couch. Mostly my celebration is running around the house by myself. And I think for a lot of soccer fans in San Diego, um, especially on the West coast and probably all over, it's a very personal uh, experience, right? You're typically watching your club play by yourself. You're watching from home. A lot of these matches start so early, especially if you're a premier league fan, you're going to be starting at 4 AM, 7 AM. Most people don't get up and leave their home and go find a bar to watch. Most people will watch from home by themselves. And I think that's what makes San Diego loyal. So special having that club in San Diego to actually celebrate with other people. And that's what we got to experience Saturday night for the first time in 400, whatever days you, you did all the math. I wasn't able to count that high, uh, but 400 plus days since we've been able to celebrate with other people, run around, high five people, hug other people, uh, throw some beverages in the air. Like that's what I've been missing. Those are the moments, you know, like that's what you really remember. Um, when you go home following any kind of soccer match, it's the moments you remembered when we left Estadio Caliente, going to Club Tijuana matches. You remember the celebration. How did that stadium sound when the goal happened? And we got a very special sound Saturday night when Corey Herzog puts it away. The player that you want to score late, a dramatic way, and you got that moment where you celebrate with others, others, and you get that sound to remember when you go home. It's the beauty yeah. of it. Yeah, I mean, it's such, a, and especially coming out of a pandemic. You know, so many people now have have watched and celebrated at home. You know, you and I doing Match Day Live last year, you know, sometimes we'd be out at Stone Brewing. It would be me, you, a couple other people from the club. You know, we'd, we'd see somebody score and like, you know, we would high five each other. We had like two, three people with us. You know what I mean? So like to see thousands of people enjoying and celebrating that moment. And also, you know, shout out to Jack Cronin and Shannon McMillan because I had a chance to go back and watch their broadcast and listen to their highlights. And I mean, Jack's call on Corey Herzog's goal is just as good as it gets. You know, really, I mean, it was tremendous and a credit to Jack and a credit to Shannon. And, you know, taking it back to the actual, um, you know, the, the, the goal itself. I mean, you're so right. Corey Herzog, here he is. You know, I, I, it was Shannon Mack who told us before the match, she said, you know, Goal scorers just wear it differently. You know, when your team is struggling and you've lost four straight and you're not scoring on top of that, not that everybody isn't feeling it, not that Guido wasn't feeling it, not that Trey Muse wasn't feeling it, not that Elijah Martin wasn't feeling it, and on and on I could go. But when you've been brought in to score the goals, right? Like you're the guy who's been brought in here. Like you're the third all-time leading goal scorer in USL history. And your team is struggling. And you're not scoring. You thought you scored three goals through four matches, right? I think that's what the math is. And, you know, you're 0 four and, you know, you're now coming in off the bench in match three and four of the season. Like how much do you need that? Like, like you wear that differently than anybody else, because, you know, you're the one that's expected to put the ball in the net and carry the team to that kind of glory. 
whether you're a defensive minded team or a possession minded team, like you're the guy that was expected to come in. So like, what's the deal? And what a relief for him. I mean, what a, what a moment for Corey Herzog. And as he told us on match day live, he was a tremendous guest post game. Mm-hmm. I hope people had a chance to watch that. And hopefully his nipple has healed here since Saturday night. You know, he said, I'm, I'm a volume scorer. He's like, I never lose confidence. I started one season. I went nine straight without scoring. And then I ended up scoring. Like I led the league in scoring. So like, I know what I'm about. I'm not suffering from any crisis of confidence here. And hopefully Jordan, that is the beginning of great things. I still don't know where this phrase open his account comes from, but <laughs> opening that account there in the 87th minute with a game winner, because now they're going to need it as they're on their way to Phoenix upcoming this weekend on Saturday night. Uh, you can watch that post-match show on San Diego Loyals YouTube. If you didn't miss it, I do recommend going back, watching uh, what Corey Herzog had to say. He talks about getting his nipple pinched. Um, Darren asked about how purple his nipple was at one point. Um, it was quite the interview on Match Day Live. Yeah. Um, there was one thing that he said that I thought was really, really interesting. And he brought up the fact that he had gone like nine matches once without scoring a goal for Reno. And then he ended up like leading the league in scoring by the end of the year. Um, so he's done that before, but that's not something you want to get comfortable with. And it doesn't sound like it's something he's comfortable with because he quickly followed it up. And I thought this was really interesting. He said, I don't know if I would get nine matches. Like, I don't know if I would have that opportunity here with all the talent. Think Corey Herzog's perspective. Yeah. He's coming off the bench the last two, and Miguel Berry was just added to this roster. That I, Does that make you feel like you're guaranteed minutes going forward? I don't know. I, it wouldn't make me feel like I'm guaranteed minutes going forward. So I think it's a huge moment for him um, because he needed it. The club needed it. And we needed the three points. So it was just really important um, all the way around. And you already saw the difference with the additions that – the loyal added we didn't i don't think we chatted about that did we nope we didn't have the opportunity to chat about that on the podcast we only chatted about it on match day live um ibarra barry um specifically it's going to help the goal scoring so much not just because barry's going to score goals because he will um they're just going to allow so much more freedom for other players and the player specifically that we brought up on the pre-match show was alejandro guido another player that you really want to get going um you don't want it to be 10 matches in and you're still waiting for Guido to really turn it on. We see Guido score. We saw him get more room to create. And we basically saw Guido uh, give, he was given the freedom to do what he really wants to do. And he was able to impact the game that the way that he is best. Um, and that's huge kudos to Ibarra. That's huge kudos to the presence that Barry is on the field when he eventually came on Um it was a different looking offense. If you want to get into that a little bit, I know we don't go too deep into that. So um, it was, it was a very important match and hopefully it carries over. That's what you need because the schedule is still very, very difficult for loyal going forward. So you can get your points against Las Vegas, but if you go and lose the next five, how important are the three points against Vegas? I don't know. Yeah. You used a great word on match day live on the pre-show. Our pre-show was spot on man we uh we made a lot of salient points i thought but you said you know bringing in miguel labara bringing in miguel berry like this is going to unlock alejandro guido and we talked a lot about that and sure enough that was the case i mean that that you know it was a different looking club and i understand too somebody out there is going to go okay hold on now like this is las vegas lights they might be the worst team in the usl championship hey that's fair like i get it but you know it's also soccer like you know loose city is a really, really good club. 
And Loyal was on its way to losing four straight and was considered not a very good club. And they scored a, what proved to be the late game winner the previous week. So, like, that's just the way the sport is. So, like, no apologies for scoring in the 87th minute and, you know, having to have Corey Herzog coming off the bench. But you're right. Like, I thought immediately, you know, bringing in Miguel Berry, that was a difference-making moment. You know, you can sort of see how much of the defense he commands. Like, they've now got to pay attention to him. Sometimes we'd send two defenders at him. There were times where Miguel Ibarra, because he's an MLS caliber player, he very well could be on an MLS roster. He's not, but he commands the presence of two defenders. That opens up Guido. Then all of a sudden you take a shot on that and it's USL goalkeeping. And then there's Corey Herzog, you know, who's a guy who's just going to be lurking around in the box, waiting for some rebound to put the ball in the net. And you've got incredible skill from Barry and what Barry's capable of doing. So like it, like the whole dynamic has changed. And at the perfect time, not because of the losing streak, Jordan, but to your point, that was the first of 12 straight against the Pacific Division, including another match against Phoenix upcoming this weekend. So, like, you better start planting these seeds. You better start making these other coaches and defenders start thinking about, well, um, am I going to devote resources here to Barry? Or, you know, now I've got to worry about Herzog in a certain capacity and who's going to man mark this guy and what am I going to do with Guido? And shit, well, there's a bar over there. And, you know, now I've also got Jack Blake. Like, I've got Jack Blake who was presence. And, you know, we still have guys who are, you know, like Metcalf and, and Colin Martin. Like, so all of a sudden now it's it's just a totally, totally different club. And, you know, one of the little, one of the things, the traditions that Jordan and I have is we try to guess the starting 11 on Friday night or Saturday night or, you know, right before the match. Like, I, I don't know. It's going to be a tough one this week, dude. I, I don't know. I mean, Corey Herzog scores, so I'm inclined to think that, you know, he's going to be back in the in the starting 11, but maybe him coming off the bench now and, and a role that, that is important, you know, so that, you know, you don't have a bunch of tired legs there, you know, in the final 30 minutes of a match. I don't, like, this is going to be the toughest challenge for us just trying to, to play guess the starting 11 between ourselves here on our text chat. Uh, no doubt about that. Miguel Barry's not on loan to sit on the bench, right? I mean, no. there's no way Columbus is like, go get your minutes on the bench in USL. That just doesn't work. So he's here to play, uh, which is great news. Like he should be on the field, but he's one of those guys. I would imagine that you're using a pen with his name, um, not just because of his talent, but also because that's probably, there's a little bit of an expectation that he is playing. Um I don't know how Phoenix will approach this match this weekend. And Phoenix doesn't need, any advice from us? Um, they handled San Diego just fine in the opener. I will say this. This is not going to be the same San Diego loyal that rolled into Chandler uh, match day one. And Jack Cronin reminded us of that uh, earlier this week over text. But like this is go ahead and guess the starting 11. I don't know what it's going to be, but I can promise you it's not going to look anything like match day one when they rolled in there. Stoneman was starting that one. Um, and now he hasn't played for a while because of an injury. Clearly all the additions that we've had, Barry, Ibarra, it's a whole new back line, essentially. Uh, the midfield has seen some changes. So I think the only thing that's going to be the same, it feels like, is Trey Muse will be in net once again against Phoenix. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's a totally different match. By the way, Phoenix is also going to be without one of the players who scored against Loyal in that opening match. Kevin Lambert, I believe, has been called up to his national team uh, the Jamaican national team. So the reggae boys, I, I I'm pretty sure that means he's not going to be available. So, uh, you know, Hey, I'll take it. 
But I'm with you. Miguel Barry Landon talked about that on radio too. And I said, what sort of rules when you have these players on loan? Because now the, the like Loyal's got like four players on uh, from MLS squads that are on loan. Trey Muse and that Jack Mayer, who we didn't mention, who I thought was was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing uh, um, uh, on the back line. Um, College teammates with Trey Muse at Indiana, by the way, yep. they had one yep. year overlapping. Great communication there between those two. I thought. I thought he was. He you know he was great passing. He was you know I, I don't know who exactly was at fault for letting in the lone Vegas goal. You know the coaches I'm sure can figure that out. But you know that's now uh, super competitive on the back line with Yarrow who was available and um, you know Stoneman hopefully will be back before too long. They brought in another player on loan from uh, from Minnesota, I believe it was McCallum. Mm-hmm. So we'll learn a little bit about him before we go on the air on Saturday. Motorcycle gang running through the neighborhood. So, um, yeah, like like you got four MLS players, four players on loan from MLS clubs here with SD Loyal. So, you know, part of that makes you worry a little bit. Like somebody can get called back at any minute. But, you know, it's it's also, you know, it's like a, like a mini MLS club out there. You know, that's that's a different level of talent. I thought it was interesting also, you know, the number two and the number seven pick from the 2020 MLS Super Draft we're playing for SD loyal and that would be Jack Mayer who is a, a central defender who was the second overall pick for Nashville. And number seven is Miguel Berry and smack in the middle of that was Daryl DK at number five. Like what a draft that was like, like one through 10. So two of the top seven, one of the top fives from the, you know, the previous year's draft now just got loaned out. So, you know, th- these are, you know, Josh Yarrow has, has history there. He was a top 10 pick. So, you know, there, there's talent here. Like, there's talent. I don't know, Jordan. Like, what does that tell you about how some of these MLS clubs already feel about San Diego Loyal? That they're like, here, we're trusting our players, you know, figure it out. Like, help them. Like, is that the Rubio Rubin factor? Like, did, was that so successful that, like, now MLS clubs sort of look at this as, as a pathway to, you know, to, to playing at a higher level here? I mean, if so, what an incredible compliment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a clear. I mean, Landon has influence as well, obviously, with his relationships, but you have to prove it. You can't just have relationships with major league soccer clubs and just rely on that. You actually have to prove that you can help these players. And I think San Diego has proven uh, that they've been able to do just that. A lot of super draft guys, the San Diego super loyal to what we're turning into. <laughs> yes. like Top it. 10 picks running all over the field. Yeah. It's a um, I believe we got to everything Did we, I mean, we're going to be out and about this weekend match day live. Once again, I don't know where the supporters are going to be quite yet. Um, like I said, we just get into trouble everywhere. My car got towed. I talked about that on a podcast not too long ago. Shout out to scuba Steve for joining the pod a couple episodes ago. Um, did you hear them sing when they went by the post mat? They, they were singing about my car getting towed. They were asking where I parked my car at Torero. I found out later I parked it where I wasn't supposed to. Chalker, this is a uh, pattern of behavior, Jordan, that I think you should uh, you should do some soul searching on. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we got Nations League here on Thursday night. Uh, the first yes. com- the first competitive match for Triple G, Greg Berhalter since the uh, Gold Cup in 2019. Now we finally get to see a competitive match between Honduras. And the U.S. men's national team. Remember, it was Honduras that did a ton of damage to the under-23s in Olympic qualifying. So some players there that, that were on both squads, sure. 
But now we get a chance to see if all of this amazing European talent that we've all been bragging about, if it actually can somehow manifest itself into a national team that goes out there and makes a statement against Honduras and then the winner of El Tri and Costa Rica in the Nations League final. I'm still not 100% clear what the Nations League is but or where I can watch it on Thursday night, but I'll, I'll figure that out by the time we kick off. Whatever it is, I expect if the U.S. win it, I expect Christian Pulisic to wear a Chelsea hoodie while walking around the field to celebrate with the trophy in hand. That's what I want to see. He's playing right back him and and, uh, Zach. That Champions League winner, Christian Pulisic, out on the field. I can't wait for the gold. We get gold trim in our kits next year now, right? That's how that works? I think so. So fucking good. I can't wait. You know who else gets the gold trim? Who? Women, baby. We both won Champions League this year. What a unnamed soccer podcast. God, you... You fucking stole the double from us. <laughs> we almost had the double. We needed all the help we can get. That would have been amazing. I mean, you would have been, then Chelsea would have been the first club ever to have a men's and women, uh, women's yeah. Champions League uh, cup. Yeah, not so random after all. Darren, shout out to our sponsors, Three Punk Ales and Sport Clips. Have a beautiful day on the radio. Anything to promote? Landon Donovan joined your radio show, so tell people to go back and listen to that interview. Anything else we need to know about? Go back and listen to Landon Donovan. He was on the radio. That's Perfect. that's pretty much what this group is going to care about. And shout out again uh, to Tony Sanchez for inviting me on the uh, the podcast. Very thoughtful guy, dude. Like he is a really, really smart, smart person. And I, I'm not saying this like I'm surprised. I'm just, you know, I've never been with him in that capacity. You've been a guest on that podcast, right? Uh, yeah. And I thought the exact same thing leaving that interview. I'm like, wow. Like that was a, re- he was very well prepared. Usually you yeah. do interviews with people and it's just like, oh, how'd you get into it? Do you love it? What do you like about it? That was not the case at all. No. And there was a couple of times, like I said, I remember at one point, like, damn, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but I'm, I'm glad we are. Yeah. So. Same thing. You know, how'd you get into it? All that sort of stuff. What sort of advice? Instead, it was like, tell me about this moment. He pops up a video from the Rich Eisen show. I was like, Dude, like, I don't even know that I could find that. <laughs> like, how did you find that moment? So, yeah, dude, like, he's, I love seeing him around. You know, I love seeing him around any of the loyal events. So, uh, that's, uh, that's a solid podcast, man. He's, he's a young guy getting into this business. He's got a bright future ahead of him. So, yeah, let's get those uh, guys to the World Cup. Yeah, that's their whole goal. They're trying to get credentialed for the World Cup in 2026. How can we help? Let's do it. Let's get them to the World Cup. I would like to go to that also, by the way. Okay, fair enough. Let's all go to the World Cup. Let's go to Brazil, too. Let's do it. Our first steps towards the World Cup, Jordan, start with the Nations League in Denver. I don't know what channel it's on. Why is this such a fucking hardship for us to know when this, where these things are on? I think it's on Paramount or CBS or some shit. Paramount? What the fuck is that? I don't know. It's something I don't need now that Champions League is over. (laughs) Well, that's not the same as the CBS thing, is it? Oh, is that different? I don't know. It's tough to keep up. I don't know. I know it's the end of it's the end of the European. But then we got uh, Darren. I don't fucking care. We just won Champions League. Exactly. Uh, then we got South American uh, World Cup qualifying. I want to watch that too. Like, how do I watch that? I want to watch Argentina and Chile today. Uh, can I? I want to watch Barca's new striker, Sergio Aguero. Hey, shout out to the uh, Spurs supporter who texted me this week. Which manager would make you more scared of Tottenham? Poch or Conte? You know what my answer was? I don't, I don't fucking care. We just won Champions League. 
Um, visit our website, unnamedsoccerpod.com. We'll let you know where we're going to be this weekend for match day live. Come drink beers with us. I think it's Bluefoot. I think it's looking like Bluefoot North Park. 730 is kickoff. So seven o'clock. We're, we're waiting for the supporters so that we want to just piggyback and, and right. you know, harness their energy into our broadcast. But it's Thursday morning and we got decisions to make. So I, I, it looks like Bluefoot. Think Bluefoot Saturday night, seven o'clock, match day live, loyal, Phoenix Chandler rising, excuse me. And uh, if there's any update, we'll let you know on social. Yes. And shout out to anybody looking to buy a house in Santee. If you're looking to buy a house in Santee, get in touch with Jordan Carruth. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's already sold by the time people listen to this podcast. It is weird <laughs> looking at a for sale sign in my front. I can look it out the window. Like the house is going to be for sale. Like well, somebody's one, one of my fucking neighbors is walking their dog and they just peed on our front yard. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to sell my house. Can you not turn my plants all brown? <laughs> this is why I'm moving to where I won't have any neighbors on top of me. Nice. Peace. Peace.